Hello world, I'm Jared Cunningham. This is the Freelance Forum 2021 podcast series. Over the years, the Freelance Forum has been made possible by support from the National Union of Journalists and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. This is episode number 28 and talking with Tom Lyons about pitching business news stories to the currency. Currency, for those of you who don't know, is an online magazine covering mostly the worlds of finance and business news. Tom, can we start maybe just with your origin story, who you are, how you ended up with the currency, what it is you do there? Uh, well, you know, I started in journalism uh, around 2001, 2002. Uh, I did a degree in economics and history and then did the master's program in DCU in journalism. And I ended up in business journalism more or less by chance. Uh, in the when I went in to do my intern placement placement with uh, the Irish Independent, there was a there was a table free as a journalist that just left in the business section, so they didn't have anything to do with me. And they said, "Go over there, and uh, we'll come back to you." And that's like it's quite random how I ended up in business. I mean, when I was in college, I would have been interested in all the different areas of journalism, news, crime, politics, sport, a little bit. Uh, And it was just by chance I ended up in business. And once I got into the area, my first editor was Richard Curran, who would be better known maybe for presenting the business show on on RTE. And his deputy editor was David Murphy, who is now an editor in RTE. And I kind of spent the next uh, four years learning with them. And I then got approached by an up-and-coming businessman, or more than an up-and-coming businessman, he was very successful, uh, to join News Talk, which was becoming a a national uh, radio station at the time. Uh, That businessman was called uh, Dennis O'Brien, and I worked with him for maybe a year, 18 months, and it was very enjoyable in a lot of ways. I learned a lot, and uh, like radio is great pace and excitement, but the you know the 5 a.m starts were tough <laughs> and there were other factors too uh, that, that uh, encouraged me to leave news talk and i then joined the sunday times i worked with them for another four years uh, and then i got offered a job as the deputy business editor in the sunday independent i went to work there uh, that was a very enjoyable experience at first uh, over time it became uh, less so it was the time of leslie buckley being the chairman of the company uh, he would have a different approach and attitude to journalism and freedom of the press uh, that, <laughs> than I might. Uh, and that caused me then to move on to the Irish Times. And then I moved to the Business Post when the, the opportunity to become business editor arose. Uh, Ian Kyo had just been made editor. So a position became available and I worked with Ian for four years. And then uh, we set up the currency two years ago, uh, almost to the day. I remember when you, I actually contacted you first just after you'd set up and asked you if you'd be interested in talking with me here at the Freelance Forum. At that stage, the forum was still taking part in person uh, because COVID hadn't happened yet. So it must have been hard hitting COVID just a few months in. How did that impact your business? Uh, yes, well, it, it, it was a very uncertain time, Jared. As we did see at the start, everybody was looking at everything and was very fearful and we did see you know quite a bit of people you know a number of people cancelling uh and a lot of people slowing down you know they're signing up to things but we we were very 
you know, we felt that like if we produce quality content, that there'd be more demand for journalism than ever before, particularly if people are all sitting at home. So we stuck tight. Uh, we decided not to cut salaries. Uh, we didn't cut freelance fees or contributors fees either, as we felt, look, we can get through this, provided we don't let the standards and quality of our journalism dip. And after about, you know, there's sort of, there was definitely three or four rocky weeks where it was kind of very uncertain and it was very strange not seeing more people signing up. We started to see the pickup again. And uh, thankfully, I mean, we've grown, you know, every month since. So we, we, we have about 5,200 members, paying members now. So reasonable size. How often, actually, I suppose I should just go back, back a step. Do you want to talk about how does the model work? Do you publish on a schedule or is it as stories are ready? They can go up at any time of day or do they go up once a day, once a week? Uh, well, we publish uh, Monday to Friday. The focus is business, economics, public policy. And we're committed to publishing at least three either new pieces, new stories, opinion pieces or podcasts uh, every day, Monday to Friday. Uh, and then on a Saturday, we change pace and we might do between four and five pieces. And that could be about sport, culture, politics, uh, a business personality or a human interest story or an interesting book that's come out. It can be that can be pretty much anything. Uh, and then on a Sunday, we kind of we reorientate the page to present the best stories of the week. Uh, but we don't publish new content on a Sunday at the moment. I'm not saying that that would be forever, but just based on our current resource, we're publishing, you know, Monday to Saturday. And we do publish stories during the day, uh, but it's they're usually, they tend to be more breaking news type stories or shorter pieces or reaction piece to something that might have happened. Uh, whereas the, the, the three pieces in the morning are usually more long form, very detailed and uh, you know very much away from the news agenda. Uh, I'm suspecting just on what you said there, with some stories which would be quite in depth and take quite some time to write, whereas others would be breaking news of the day. There's no specific lead time on a particular story. No, no. Uh, I mean, we would publish stories which would range from 300 words to, I mean, we publish stories to be 20,000 words long. Um, like they're almost like many books, uh, you know, I can point to, we did an ex investigation into the Northern Bank robbery, which was uh, 16, 17,000 words long. Uh, we've done stuff on, you know, Davy stockbrokers, which in, in various parts would run to 15,000 words. And we published a piece in the meat industry recently, which combined would be six or 7,000 words. So we definitely would, we would be fans of, uh, long-form journalism and in-depth journalism, but we're not confined to it. Like if, if somebody's got a really punchy short story, which we know that people are going to be interested in, of course, we're going to publish it too. I'm just wondering on those longer form stories, in particular, the in-depth stories, would you be looking at other publication forms eventually too, like you know, Kindle books or uh, Kindle singles or even print books, or would you just leave them on the website for people to subscribe to? And uh, we, we just, well, we haven't looked at that as we think that, you know, if like we think that, look, you know, our, our subscription fee is quite high relative to our competitors. It's 25 euros a month. Now, if you sign up annually, 
that'll annualize. Like we do discounts for annual members. So it's probably around 20 euros a month if you sign up for the full 12 months. So we feel that like, you know, if you're paying that type of fee, that you should, this should be the, the only place where you can find it. Uh, we haven't really thought about like, you know, going other routes as often, Jared, by the time you do it and versus the return, it's hardly worth it. You know, if you get, if we got 50 extra people from Kindle to pay us five euros, I'd be much more interested in getting five people to commit to the currency and stick with us as we see, you know, like we've seen, like since we started this business, that like people have stayed with us from, from the very beginning and they've stuck with us for two years. Uh, we've got a, you know, I think we have a much lower churn rate versus our competitors. And I think that's the nature of the product uh, that it's for people who are super interested in business and super interested in long form journalism and unique content. And we, we've been lucky that like we've been, we, we've been able to keep most of those readers over that period of time. It's opposed to the fact that you're charging more than most people means before people spend that amount, they're going to be fairly sure they want to stick with you. They're in for the long haul. So. Yeah. Well, there, there's definitely a bit of that, that like, you know, we do have the introductory price is five euros for the first month, which isn't too much. And you get access to the full archive. So we do see some people come in and they just want to read the one story and then they drift away again. And sometimes we see them come back in at the five euro rate and sign up again. Uh, and we, we don't mind that. Like uh, we, we will catch you if you're kind of doing it consistently, but <laughs> if you want to take a break and come back, uh, that's fine. Uh, like we see the like the pricing that a lot of people are pricing journalism at like they're 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 not pricing it right like journalism is really expensive in this country to produce because of things like the cost of making a legal mistake or dealing with a court action insurance tax there's a whole bunch of things that are associated with that that like we think that it's it's hard to do it at less than sort of 20 25 euros a month uh we we've deliberately taken a decision that we're not going to be advertising driven again versus our campaign like you you'll see there are ads but they're very subtle ads and there's not too many of them and they're never pop-ups or flashing or anything like that <clears throat> and that's because we want people we think if you're paying that premium price you shouldn't have cookies following you around the place uh you shouldn't be pushed you know products that you don't want and we've just that's just kind of like we think that's part of our approach is look there's a premium but you know, you get a you get lots of great content, and you're not going to be bamboozled with ads either. I just think when you were describing your first time at the Irish Independent, when they were deciding where to put you, that you, know, you could have gone to crime, politics, sports. <laughs> I'm just saying every single one of those has a business aspect. Is there any story that's not pitched for you? And how would I go about pitching a story to you? What's do you? An email or yeah, well, like the like it's you know there's Ian at the currency news or Tom at the currency news. Everybody's email is their first name at the currency news. Info at the currency news is goes to everybody. Uh, so like I think if you're pitching a story, uh, like as as you as you said there, we're very open to different types of story. Like we've published a lot of freelance sports stories, uh, and we work with. You know, so it's not strictly business and we've published freelance political stories, freelance common stories. I mean, we would have, we've worked with, since we started over 50 different freelancers, I'd say. Um, we definitely, like we have a core group of people who we have kind of a, 
you know, unofficial official relationships, which would be people like Stephen Kinsler, Tommy Gorman, uh, Konstantin Gurdjieff. So like we have a, a group of people like that who are kind of regulars and Sam Smith would be another one. Uh, and we've got, you know, different deals or agreements with them. Uh, but we're very open to new people, new names, good stories. I mean, you know, we've had a, a young journalist working with us, you know, the last couple of months, um, who's, you know, just in college and he's had, he's, he's been published every single week for the last six or seven weeks. So we would, we would, we would see that like part of the reason we're doing this is to invest more into journalism. And we've tried to make sure that there's minimum bureaucracy and minimum management, uh, taking that subscription money and putting it into things that are other than journalism. So like, like I said, like we've, we've, we feel very, uh, we think it's very important to pay our contributors well. We pay quickly. Uh, like we would never let it go to more longer than 28 days before paying. Uh, and as I said there, like we did think, yeah, we could cut the, you could get away with cutting your contributors fees during the, during the, the pandemic. But again, we felt like, actually, look, why we shouldn't do that. The business is doing well, number one, but two, People need this money more than ever. Um, and if we start taking 20, 50 euros off it, it doesn't make that much difference to us, but it could make a big difference to them. And that we should try and stick with the prices unless we, like we thought the business was beginning to fail or something like that. Of course, we'd have to, <laughs> but we'd start, we would start with like the only people who cut their salaries during the pandemic were me and Ian. Uh, we didn't do it to anybody else as we felt that, that, uh, you know, that, that they were all suffering too and that like we people needed the confidence that like we were going to be behind them through this and that uh, they could relax as, as regards that. Uh, obviously, um, starting off the, f uh, the first time uh, picture to you, the first time, obviously I'm not going to approach you on day one and say, hey, I'd like to go off and write a 30,000 word essay on some topic. Uh, what are you looking at? You're not looking at, I, I assume, at the other end, uh, just a quick breaking news story either. What works as a pitch at a level that would interest you from someone you hadn't talked to before? Yeah, uh, uh, I think they'd need to like it'd need to be you know an email approximately four to five sentences long, saying, you know, I'm thinking of writing a piece about person A, company B, topic C, uh, and here if we haven't dealt with you before, to put here some links or attached or some of the work that I've done previously. And where have I where have I been published? So you need a little bit of the CV if we have, haven't heard of you, uh, and then try and focus on making that pitch snappy. Like if you say, you know, I've got a, a unique interview with this successful business person nobody's ever heard of, or a startup which has raised money from somebody really interesting, or is in a really cool area, like that will get our attention because we'll know. Like even if the way that you, even if your writing isn't that great, if the story is the right one, sure, we can turn it around for you. <laughs> That's part of, uh, you know, editing is to go back. But if you're starting, if your starting point is the story isn't very interesting or it's been covered a lot elsewhere or it's a press release, like that would tend to be, make us uh, more like consider more boring and it's harder to, but if you, like I, I would think, when you're certainly when you're initially pitching, think about trying to pitch a couple of aces at the beginning, uh, because you really need to get our attention to say, look, this person is worth engaging with. And we think that they can get this actual interview that they're saying that they're going to do. And we can help you, you know, 
we can talk to you in advance around what are the questions we, we think would be good ones to ask, or we can talk to you when you've produced the piece. Well, what if we pitched it this way? Or what if we changed the intro? Or what if we brought this up? And we'd see that, that that's part of our, our role, you know, as journalists is to help the people that we're working with do better. And we would always see that like, well, why are we developing relationships with freelance journalists? Because we want them to ultimately, you know, come on to the staff. Uh, doesn't suit everybody. Because like, if you're not a business journalist, it will be, it will be harder. Like be, we do have Dion Fanning, you know, full-time as associate editor. He's not a business journalist, but we don't have the resources to say like, we're not going to build a, a dedicated team of sports journalists for the moment. Uh, but if you're somebody who's super interested in business, if you're consistently pitching big stories and good stories, like that's where we, we'd like to get you eventually, you know. Are there good times or bad times? Like are Monday mornings chaotic or is, is Friday afternoon a bad time? Uh, the only time I'd say, I, I, I'd say Friday afternoon is probably a bad time as either we are in the thick of assisting Dion get all of his Saturday content or we're looking at the Monday edition, uh, and you know suddenly, or suddenly we decide, look, we got to go and get a pint, or <laughs> something. So I wouldn't pitch on a Friday afternoon. Other than that, I would be agnostic. It's fine. You know, like, but it's it's all the obvious things. Like, if you pitch to somebody at eleven p.m. at night, there is a chance you slip to the bottom of the the emails and they don't actually see it. So I would usually pitch, you know, during working hours, nine to six. And, you know, if you don't get a response, don't be afraid to email a second time. As sometimes it can just be uh, like we're managing the business as well as running, as producing content. And you you might think that like, geez, why haven't the guys replied to me? They must, this is very hurtful. It's not very hurtful. It's just, we've been really busy dealing with some other piece of crap and didn't get the chance to respond to you. And it's not meant to be insulting. Uh, because like I would respect anyone who does pitch. Like I think it's like it's, it's you're putting yourself on the line, and it's not easy to do. And you know, even if the the story isn't right, uh, or you say no, like you should always be respectful. You know that like this is somebody who's trying to make a living. I'm afraid I'm not a subscriber, so I can only go by what I see from, for example, your Twitter feed when your links to new stories that you're breaking and stuff. So I don't know all your content. Do you have anyone covering? You know, the, the other side of business, like the, the labor beats, um, working conditions for employees, all that sort of thing. I mean, something that obviously, you know, I'm looking at, for example, teachers in schools at the moment with COVID, that would be a huge issue. Probably for everyone with COVID, actually. But I'm just wondering, is, is there a labor beat correspondent in there? Or is there a, a gap for that too? Well, like we, the, the big piece we did recently about the, the meat industry was very much focused on that which was focusing on how, you know, people at the bottom uh, and who are, you know, either immigrant workers or people who are, who are lower paid are being badly treated by an industry which is controlled by very wealthy men. Um, so we what we are interested in those type of stories. We're probably not interested in the minute of ICTU or SIP2, you know, like elections or who's, who's going to be the new Jack O'Connor or whatever it might be. We're less I don't think anyone wants horse race journalism. <laughs> yeah, we're less, we're less interested in that. Uh, but we would be, it's all about good stories. Like we're very interested in, you know, people who are working for the multinationals uh, who aren't being treated particularly well. We've written a hell of a lot about the meat industry. Uh, we are open to, 
you know, taking on campaigns and things like that. But, you know, the, like the run of the mill story, like that is, you know, SIP2 is organizing a protest down in here. Like, I think that's more for the the the, the, the daily newspapers who are covering that daily pace of news. Like we'd be more... But I, I assume you'd be... No, no no more interested in it if it was ibec is protesting about x either yeah well like like, like ibec like we we have written about them and we've we've interviewed danny mccoy i mean like the reality like they do represent a lot of people in business so they're an interesting story but but you're not going to be covering standard press releases from them anymore than September. no no not not with them either because like i i just think that 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 whole area of is so well covered and we have places like, you know, RTE, who, well, until recently, they had, you know, an industrial relations correspondent who was very good. Uh, and there is no, I didn't feel that there's, there's not a need for us to cover the same beats. Uh, so it's really about if somebody came to us with a, like an imaginative, unique take on, you know, a trade union issue or an issue of worker mistreatment. Yeah, we definitely cover it. But is there enough of that to justify a correspondent? Probably not. You know, most of our journalists, they're specialized in the sense business, but they move across a number of different areas. Like they wouldn't be like there'd be nobody really locked into. I only write about this. Yeah, no more than you're, you're going to you're not going to have a beef industry correspondent. No, like we do obviously have a legal uh, editor, Francesca Cummin. And but like, God, the law covers so much like that's everything from who's going to be the new managing partner of a law firm to, you know, an interesting court case to. You know what's happened in the judiciary uh, and francesca does has written about other stuff too i mean some of her best stuff has been you know she, she's written stuff about bobby healy and his drone company which involved following him around for a full year um like like i do think that, like you shouldn't be trying to box journalists into things too tight like if they want to move out of it and write about something else like it's all about is it quality is it good <laughs> like if it's quality and good like i don't care if if you know Somebody wants to write about sport one one week, and then the next they're writing about the banks. Once it's good, is there any way to follow without? without I mean, twenty five euro or whatever a month is quite a big request up front. Is there any way to get a, a sampler or a taste of it? Well, you can certainly follow us on social media. It gives you one sense, and then two is to look at if you sign up for our newsletters. We put out uh, five of them a week, and. On a Sunday, for example, Ian Kyo does an editorial about a topic of the week and also talks about all the different stories we've covered. Uh, on a Wednesday, we do an investment email. And then the other days during the week, they're about, well, what are we writing about this day or recently? And that's a good way of just getting a sense of, look, this is the diversity of topics we're writing about. You can sign up to that for free. Uh, and it just gives you a, a sense of, like, what are the types of stories these guys are writing about? And if I'm thinking about pitching, are my ideas similar to theirs? Based on your experience the last couple of years, what advice would you give if uh, other freelancers out there felt they had an idea for a, a business or a, a project that they, that they would like to uh, start up themselves? Well, I think it, it is it is difficult, uh, but not impossible. Um, you know, I think that it's like, I find it hugely ironic. We're holding a, you know, a commission into the media, uh, which has spent you know already it's spent more producing its report than we've spent getting our business going uh which employs you know eight people and 50 freelancers so i think it's something that you need to think about think about making sure that you have defined your niche 
Like, what is the niche that you want to write about? And is this something that can get people excited uh, and that people will want to engage with? And then think about, well, what is my business model? And it is very hard to avoid charging money. And I think that that's what you can come in at different price points. And I think we've seen, you know, some of the successes in the Irish media, uh, like Second Captains, like the Dublin Inquirer, like even to an extent, like we're seeing this new project, you know, on the ditch, uh, which I think Paddy Cosgrave or somebody is behind. Uh, like they're all new entrants. And certainly Second Captains have really shown, look, we, you can build a membership model. And they've used, I think it's Patreon is what they're using. Uh, like getting around those tech challenges is hard uh, and it costs money to do it, you know, developing a website, all that type of stuff, but it doesn't cost as much money as you, as you might think. Um, so I think that that's kind of like to really focus on your your market, your business niche and try to build up content that nobody can find anywhere else. And if you're producing content that people want and can't be found elsewhere, they will come and pay for it. Like, you know, we, we've shown with our 5,200 members that like, like that's a business now. It wasn't before. Uh, and the, you can do it if you just keep that, keep that focus on the content. Uh, so you, you probably need to think about if you're a freelancer, like it's hard to do it by yourself. You know, Substack is an option. If you've got, if you really like, say you're brilliant at writing about AI, maybe you should, you should do a Substack and you can turn it into a business for yourself. But I certainly wouldn't feel, that there's the same need to, you know, the big brands, uh, you know, like the Irish Times, Indo, all of those, I think they're less powerful than they were before because before, like, the obstacle to getting into this business was I need to own a printing press. How much does that cost? Well, 50 million. So <laughs> you can't do that or I need to, to be able to show that I, to a printer, I can finance a print run. And again, that's extremely expensive and difficult to do logistically and the margins are quite low. Whereas the margins and digital are obviously much higher, uh, so I think that it is it is possible to start your own business as a freelance journalist and and make it good enough that people want to read it. But you're probably going to have to form some sort of a form of a collective or group to get there. So that's a good message. If you build it, they will come, provided it's good enough. <laughs> if it's if it's good enough, they'll pay for it. <laughs> and I know some people who have tried everything from Substacks to. Uh, co-op ventures some good some bad some good very well so that's a good reminder actually just to remind everyone that it's not all about being the irish times or the irish independent uh, i think those those days are gone um like i i'd look at like you know the best journalism of the last year you know would, you know if you look at it, it's come out as the second captain's guys probably you know of course you can say well bbc gave them distribution and expertise but like that was a second captain's project you know, you look at some of the Dublin Enquirer stuff on, on property and it's as good as anything you'd see anywhere. Uh, and like, I'd like to think some of the content we've done is as good, certainly different to anything else that's out there. Uh, so I think you can, you, you know, it, it is possible to do it. Look, it's good. The more diversity we have, the better. Uh, and I just feel that like, you know, the idea that like, it's all about RTE and the Irish Times in the end, I think that's gone. Uh, people are reading content from everywhere. Tom Lyons, thanks for joining me. And to everyone else listening, uh, stay safe and take care. This has been the Freelance Forum podcast with Jared Cunningham. The forum is brought to you by the Dublin Freelance Branch of the National Union of Journalists. 
and made possible by network funding from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sectoral Learning and Development Programme. Music by podsummit.com, released under a Creative Commons Zero license into the public domain. I'm Jared Cunningham. Thanks for listening. Take care and stay safe. Mm-hmm.